0: Uh, Good morning, uh, New City Church. My name is AJ. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City. Uh, And thank you for joining us this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, Man, if this is your first time, I just want to say welcome. Uh, Thank you for being with us here this morning. And so I am thankful, all right, in a season of thankfulness uh, that we are officially in the season where there's no more judgment uh, for Christmas music being played or decorations being up. All right, Uh, I don't know where you fall, okay? Uh, On that spectrum, can you do it before Thanksgiving? Can you not? Okay, I'm gonna be honest, all right? It's it's a safe space. We put ours up the second week of November, okay? About that January and that would have been a whole other discussion, okay? But in that, we were up before Thanksgiving. I did put the outside lights up uh, yesterday and so we're we're fully decorated now. But I love this season uh, that we go into. I just think it's a lot of fun. Uh, We get to all the families get together, friends get together, we have holiday parties, all these type of things begin to happen. There's just a time of just celebration. And I I love that. I love that we get to come together uh, and celebrate what God has done. Uh, But another thing that we also know that happens in these moments is there's usually at least one or two moments that leave us kind of like cringing. Am I right? Um, And I'm not a fan of those. I avoid awkward moments. Uh, I really do, but we know they're there. Um, There's always that person that laughs at something they thought was a joke, but wasn't really a joke. We we know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, That there's somebody makes a comment that it's like, oh, that just changed how the whole night's now going Now, All right, we've been there. Maybe you've been the one that said it. Uh, Christmas game night gets a little too serious, anybody? All right, lines are drawn, car ride home silence. Like, I mean, it gets a little intense and you're like, whoa, Like, this was Scrabble. Like this ain't bananagrams. like what are we doing? Okay, and so little insight into me. My natural bent uh, in these awkward tense situations is to insert a joke. I want to bring levity to it, laughter, all these type of things. And it works about 50% of the time. Okay. And so in that, um, we can like look back over our holidays and all these different things that we can see these moments um, that we just laugh at because usually laughing, in my opinion, is a lot better than crying. Okay. And so you just, you lean into that. Okay. But that's, that's kind of life. It's not just the festive holiday season where we have these moments and we look back on, we see the good and the bad and these store, all these kind of memories and stories shape us into who we are. And so we get to see our story take shape and other stories, other people's stories take shape. And what I love, and we're gonna be looking at a story in the Old Testament here today, and we're gonna see how that fits into a big picture, a bigger picture, our story fits into a bigger picture, where we're all just side characters in this grand narrative about God bringing about rescue and redemption for his people. And so for the next four weeks, we're starting a new series today um, where we're gonna be looking at stories in the Old Testament. And this new series that we're going to be talking about is called The Scandalous Cradle. All leading us up to Christmas where we celebrate Christ's birth. And so throughout our series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be using Matthew 1 as this launching pad to point us back to these stories in the Old Testament using the genealogy of Jesus as kind of a common thread over the next several weeks. And so in this series and in the genealogy, we're going to see that there are scandalous parts or a scandalous nature to it and how Jesus' family tree is not perfect. Instead, it it has moments that seem scandalous to include in the uh, coming uh, Messiah's lineage. And so we're gonna see that there's a wide range of people from kings and rulers, good and bad, prostitutes, adulterers, Gentiles, all of which are gonna play a role in bringing about the birth of God's own son, Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited to dive into the genealogy. I think it's fun, I love a good hyperlink, Um, And so what we're gonna see though, is we're gonna look even more specifically um, at the women in the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm excited y'all, I'm pumped, all right? Because what we're gonna see is God uses these women as an instrumental part of his redemptive work. And so today we're gonna look at the story of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And though she isn't mentioned specifically in the genealogy, she's gonna play an instrumental role in God's plan as the wife of Abraham. Uh, Who is mentioned. And so, the other women, just to give you a a heads up, that are in Matthew 1, uh, we see Tamar and Rahab, Bathsheba, Ruth, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. All are going to be, and they're all going to be key to bringing about this cradle that's going to hold our Messiah. And so, I'm excited to dive into this today. And so, um, next week, we're not going to talk about Rahab, who comes next in the genealogy. We just walked through the book of Joshua. And so I encourage you to go read Joshua 3 and 6. Uh, There's a sermon uh, uh, that we just preached on that. So engage with that. It's a wonderful story. But what we're going to see is that each of these women have a role to play in God's redemptive story. And so I love that that just doesn't stop in the Old Testament, y'all. I love that, men, women here today are playing a critical role in what God is doing here at New City. Uh, That our sisters in Christ are seeking to see Jesus change lives and reach the world. But I'm just thankful that God's using all people, no matter their background, no matter their history, to bring about his purposes. And it's just a beautiful thing that we get to see whether their past is scandalous or not. We're going to see throughout our series uh, that God moves. And so we're going to start in Matthew 1.1. When we kind of thought all this through, we said we're going to start where Matthew starts. And so Matthew 1.1 says this the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Y'all, that's what Pastor Eric gave me to preach on. That's what I got. I'm just kidding. We got more than that today. Okay. Um, but we're going to use that as a hyperlink to go back to the book of Genesis, where we're going to spend most of, our, most of our time today. But before we jump there, uh, I want to make sure that we understand a little bit out of Matthew 1, because genealogy, though it's not as a as a big deal to some of us here today, it was a huge deal to the Jewish audience uh, that this book was written to. And so genealogy established, um, as a Jew, your heritage, which influenced your inheritance, which is a big deal. Your rights and your legitimacy as a Jew. And so what Matthew is doing in showing us this genealogy is outlining the royal lineage from which Jesus comes from. And so we begin to see um, that Jesus is coming from this royal lineage and that we're gonna see over and over again the father of so-and-so and so-and-so. And what I love, and I mentioned I love hyperlinks, all of these so-and-sos, and those are important people, I, I promise. All right, they're hyperlinks back to the Old Testament. Pastor Eric used that a few weeks ago, and I just that stuck with me. I love a good hyperlink. If you get the New City News, it's full of hyperlinks. The text just isn't blue, it actually takes you somewhere, so click on those sometime, okay? Um, but, but the hyperlink we're gonna follow um, it's kind of at the end of verse 1 and kind of starting chapter 2, where it says, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And so this hyperlink is going to take us back to Genesis 11. And so this is where we're going to pick up our story. And so we're going to flip back a few years in history, and uh, you, you probably noticed when I read those verses, Sarah's not mentioned. And y'all, I own that. All right, I, I do. But as we plan this series, and we wanted to focus specifically on the women and the genealogy of Jesus, we said, well, who was really the first woman who was instrumental in bringing all this about? And that was Sarah. That was Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Abraham's mentioned multiple times, and so that's where we're kinda going today. And so we're gonna be looking at the story of Sarah and Abraham, and that's gonna cover Genesis 11 through 23. Y'all thought I had one verse, now I have like 14 chapters, okay? Um, so we're not gonna look at all of these, we're gonna like, take really big picture and then we're gonna zoom in and zoom out and I'm gonna try to keep us all on the same page throughout our time together Uh, but if you get lost and start to nap I'm not gonna take it personal I'm gonna say too many Thanksgiving leftovers and we're just gonna chalk it up to that okay all right but as I mentioned Sarah was Abraham's wife and what we know from Scripture looking at Genesis 11 is that she was barren she had no children and so uh, we, we go to Genesis 12, where we see at respective ages of Sarah at 64 and Abraham about the age of 75, uh, God calls them to leave their, their homeland and go to a land that he will show them and he's going to make them a great nation. And this is, this is where God first promises Abraham that he is going to give this land to his offspring. But remember with me, as we kind of look at the big picture that she, was, she, she had no kids, she was barren. And from there, a whole lot of things are gonna happen to Sarah and Abraham. And I encourage you to go and read. This is a crazy story, all right? And so, but what we're gonna see a little bit later in their story is that God's gonna make a promise to Abraham to give him a son that will be his heir. And he affirms that promise and makes an even greater eternal promise with him in Genesis 17 at the age of 99. Yeah, we've just covered like 24 years, all right? In like three minutes. But in all of this, what we're going to see, our main idea for today is going to be this, that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And so we're going to see this idea come out of one of the texts that we're going to zoom in on in Genesis 18, but this isn't just going to be tied to this text because hopefully as we come out of the book of Joshua and we see God doing the impossible over and over again, we're just going to realize that this is a truth that we see in scripture, because he moves in ways that we don't expect and we see it throughout the Bible and we can even see it in our own lives today. And so one of the questions I'm just gonna pose for you to kind of chew on as we work through our our text today is do you think something is too hard for the Lord? Do you think someone or something is outside the reach of God that he just can't handle that? I can't give that to him. And so during our time, I hope that you see this morning that nothing is gonna be too hard for the Lord that God's the creator and sustainer of heaven and earth, that he rules rightly and moves justly in ways that are beyond our comprehension. He's the one who placed the stars in the sky and knows them by name. He clothes the lilies and takes care of the sparrows. Not a particle in our world moves without him knowing it. And so as we look at the story of Sarah this morning, my prayer has been that you would be encouraged but also challenged to see that God is faithful and in control uh, and that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And so as I mentioned, all right, we're, gonna, we're, in this, we're in the Old Testament now. We're gonna look at the son of, uh, that we followed the hyperlink son of Abraham and we're gonna pick up our story in Genesis 18. And so that's where we're gonna be today. And so as you, as you kind of like find that uh, a little context, Genesis 18, God is coming to Abraham uh, in the form of some visitors uh, along the way. And so Abraham is hospitable. Uh, He's given them a meal and all these different things. And so we're picking up in the middle of this story. okay? and so they've eaten and then they, uh, meaning the visitors, say to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him now. Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Now, we're jumping into the middle of a story, and I get that. So I want to make sure that we're on the same page, and the context is important um, with this. And so I mentioned, you know, Sarah, Abraham's uh, wife, they've been moving around, and our text lets us know, like what we just read, that they were uh, advanced in years. Y'all, that's just a nice way of saying they were really, really old, Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't like to call people like really, really old, but once you hit your 90s, man, God is doing work in your life. He can use you mightily, and we're gonna see that today, but you're old, okay? So with that, okay? So in that, what we're gonna see is, just a recap, Genesis 17 happens. And this is in Genesis 17, the chapter right before what we're looking at. God makes a covenant with Abraham, and he says in verse four, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Y'all, Abraham's 99 at this point with no kids. All right. Later in Genesis 17, 16, God brings Sarah into this covenant and says, I will bless her, meaning Sarah. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. She's 90. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And at this point, and Genesis 17 tells us, Abraham laughs. All right, he just laughs. But it's, it's not one of those like, Oh, man, he's like, all oh, right, Lord, I don't know how in the world you're going to do this. I'm going to lay out this plan. And God goes, no, that's not the way I'm going to do it. Listen. And in verse 19, he says, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And then he doubles down on Sarah and he says, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And so God makes this covenant. And as we jump into Genesis 18, we see that Abraham has those visitors, this exchange is going on and culture during this time had Sarah kind of in the tent. She had prepared the meal. Uh, and so Abraham told us that she was in the tent. And uh, right after that, we kind of see this, uh, this covenant reiterated by the visitors, by the Lord. He says, um, by this time next year, you will, Sarah will give birth to a son. And y'all, I want to just pause for a minute, and I want you to show me some graces. I'm going to assume something, okay? All right? And so what we're going to do is at this point, we have to think that God is making these covenants and promises with Abraham over like two decades, all right? And so what we're seeing is I just got to imagine he's sharing this with Sarah, right? You got to think like in Genesis 12, he doesn't just be like, hey, girl, get on the camel. We got to go. Like, I feel like that's a little bit of a conversation. At least husbands, it should be. Okay. In Genesis 15, um, where he's like, hey, we're going to, you're going to have an heir. You know, you're going to have a son. I feel like that's something you talk about with your wife, right? Are are we then? And then in Genesis 17, where he's like, hey, uh, from Sarah, nations will come. Kings of people will come from her. That seems like something you share right? When it's involving her, like this is something like she's got to know this kind of going on in the back of, her, back of her mind. And so with that assumption, she's going to know about what God has promised. And so this helps us speak into what we see in Genesis 18. And we see her in picking up in verse 10, Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself. Saying, "After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure?" Y'all, I don't don't want us to miss this because this is kind of a big deal. Sarah laughed, to herself, but she laughed at the Lord. Y'all, that's crazy. I mean, that's like one of those things of like, and she's like saying, "Nah, this is not happening." She just laughed at the Lord. I love a good laugh, but that's that's not the kind of laugh you kind of want because we don't know if she knew that it was the Lord, but she knew, or we're assuming that she knew the promises that God had laid out, that an heir would come, that she would bear a child. But we have to also remember, she was 90 years old. She was, she was, our text tells us she was worn out. We're just going to leave that there. She knows she is far beyond the years to have a child, okay? In her world, in her mind, our world's mind, all this, there is no way that a baby is coming out of her. Okay. And so this is going to lead us though, to our first of three points for today. As we see that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Number one, God is faithful despite our unbelief because the laugh that we see from Sarah was not this like belly. This is a good joke laugh. It's a laugh. that's just, I see just filled with sorrow, a laugh that happens because if it doesn't, you just break down and cry. Because we see in this moment that Sarah is struggling to believe that God is faithful. She's desired, women at at that time, and they desire that's how you pass on things through your children. And so we see that she's struggling to see how in the world God is gonna keep his word. And it's hard for Sarah to take God at his word. And I feel like we we have these moments in our lives. It's hard. Where we, we know that God desires for all people to be saved, but I also know like, man, is, is my neighbor too far gone? Is he living a lifestyle that God just can't save? But God desires and he has the ability to save. Is he really with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death in what seems like the darkest moments of our life? Is he really there? Do we really believe that? Will he forgive me for what I've done? And, and, and these, are, these are fair questions to ask and to wrestle with. But the next step, what we do with these questions is going to be pivotal. Pivotal. Do we, in our finite and limited mind, try to control and limit the outcomes? Do we dictate what God can do? Or do we look at who God is and lay them before Him? Prayerfully, just... Continue pleading with God to move. Because I would say the latter, but that's an easier thing said than done. And I get that. Because I've, I've looked at this, I've wrestled with unbelief, and we see that unbelief is coming from a wrong view of who God is. We, we've begun to superimpose our limitations and the worlds onto God so we believe that something is too hard for God. And so we're putting our own limitations on God. And so I wanna pose another question for us, is what are we believing about who God is? Where are we placing limitations on God? And so we have to continue to ask ourselves these type of questions to make sure our view of God is correct as we bring things before Him. And I love that our text continues and shows us what we learned a few weeks ago of just uh, stepping into healthy conflict because God just steps right into it, y'all. I mean god i mean he's just stepping in verse 13 it says the lord said to abraham why did sarah laugh and say shall i indeed bear a child now that i am old and god says is anything too hard for the lord at the appointed time i will return to you about this time next year and sarah shall have a son but sarah denied it saying i did not laugh for she was afraid he said no but you did laugh y'all god engages her unbelief by showing her And Abraham, because he's still in this conversation. He doesn't seem like it, but uh, this is happening, for, I believe, for Sarah's benefit. But he's still there. But what he does is he shows them who he is. And in a moment, I I feel like Sarah begins to realize um, what King David many years would say later in Psalm 139, where it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit up and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, I, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. Because y'all remember, she she laughed to herself. It wasn't this like audible big laugh, like chuckle. It was to herself. But God knew it. And so God shows that He's sovereign and overall, and He knows all. And so what He's doing is He's engaging her unbelief with the truth of who He is, and He lets them know. He says, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And so I want, I want to just ask, what are you struggling to believe? Is, are you thinking something's too hard for the Lord? Uh, a few weeks ago, well, or last week, not a few, last week. It's been a long week. Man, Pastor Eric mentioned, man, we're prayerfully, um, uh, man, seeking to give away up to 10% of our like whole yearly budgets Uh, through our year-end giving, anchored for the mission. We just want to give that out in a way, uh, up to 10%. And so he mentioned that kind of the line that we want to like shoot for as a church at New City is $20,000. You know, I'm like, let's go. I'm like, let's do this. Like, God, you got this. My stomach's kind of like, I don't know. We'll figure this out, okay. Um, And I'm like, all right, let's do this. Now, Pastor Eric also mentioned um, we were at the table with our elders and one of our elders uh, full of faith, said, man, why don't we just save the whole 10%, $35,000. And in the moment, y'all, I was like, man, I want that faith. Like, let's go, Lord. Like, come on, you can do it all. And then I got up from the table and I was like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. Y'all, that's, that's, that's crazy. All right. I'm the numbers guy. I'm, I'm like doing all this stuff. I'm like, well, uh, maybe 20. I don't know. Unbelief began to creep in. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with y'all. It creeps its way in, but then God has a sense of humor and he takes me to Genesis 18, 14, and it says that nothing is too hard for the Lord. I'm like, well, okay, Lord. So daily, y'all, I am praying that God just simply leaves us in awe, just leaves us in awe and blesses our desire to just send a large amount of money outside of our church for kingdom advancement. I'm just believing at this point because there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. But I struggle to believe. What are are you struggling to believe? How is it? How would you find the time or the money to go on a missions trip in 2023? Is it how in the world could I give 10% of my income for kingdom advancement? Maybe it's about your career. And you're like, could God really use my gifts and talents for his kingdom? Maybe there's a friend or a family member in your life that you just feel is so far away from God. And they'll never believe in him i don't know what it is for you but a quick just simple test is to simply fill in the blank i don't know how blank could happen i whatever is in that blank we need to really just uh prayerfully put before the lord because y'all have felt this at times i don't know how this could happen before before i joined had the privilege of coming down joining new city man i was in a really healthy church man i was i was happy Uh, I had great people around me. I was loving what I was doing, but there was something stirring in me, something saying, man, we need to take a different step. But I just had no idea. I was struggling to believe how in the world this was gonna happen. And so a friend calls me up and he goes, hey, what do you think about Tampa, Florida? I was like, I think it's warm. Okay. Um, I was like, I don't know, never been. So I was intrigued. And so I talked with Eric. Then I got the privilege of talking with Eric and Kelly. Uh and then I got to come down to Tampa and I was like, man, this place is nice. I got to engage with New City. I was like, New City's nice. I was like, this is awesome. How in the world is this gonna work, Lord? How in the world? And y'all, I was struggling to believe how in the world these kind of things work. But y'all, I'm just gonna be honest. God moved. He was faithful in the midst of my unbelief because I was the man in Mark 9:23 that was saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I believe, Lord, I do but help my unbelief because I don't see how it unfolds. I don't get it. And did everything work out how I drew it up? Let me tell y'all, that's a big no. That's a big no. It did not, but it worked out so much better because God was the one doing it. And I couldn't draw things up the way he did it. There were hard parts and God called us to trust him in ways that I was like, Lord, I don't But then he would just move and he would be faithful. And I'd say, the next time I'd be like, all right, Lord, you were faithful here. You're gonna be faithful here. Because that's who God is. He is a faithful God. He's even faithful in our unbelief. And this is what we see in Sarah's story. And we see it in our text right now in Genesis 18. We see, um, even though our story is gonna end with God correcting her, he gets the last laugh, okay? Um, We see a few chapters later that God's gonna be faithful. And we're gonna unpack that here in just a few moments. But she was struggling, but God was being faithful. He had a plan. And I love, I just wanna give a quick little snapshot. Hebrews eleven eleven tells us, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, she considered him, meaning God, faithful who had promised. God had a plan, he was gonna be faithful. She knew that he was gonna be there. And she, I believe, began to believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And now I, I want to be clear. This doesn't mean things were easy for Sarah throughout her story. I don't want to paint that picture. God was moving, but at times it wasn't according to how Abraham and Sarah wanted it drawn up. And we have to wrestle with this too. When God moves, it isn't always in the way we want him to move. Whether we're believing or not, it's it's hard. God will be faithful, but we aren't sure what that looks like sometimes. And that's a hard thing to wrestle with because we, we begin to ask, like, God, I see you at work, but I don't understand it. Why is it happening over here and not here? I know that you're faithful, but I just don't get it. And these are questions that as we talk about God's faithfulness, I want to be careful and make sure that you don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying this. Trust God and all will be okay. Your blessing's right around the corner. I'm not saying that. I'm not, because that would have been horrible for Sarah to hear. Because remember, Sarah's story, it took 25 years I don't want to paint this picture that everything's just going to be okay. But I can say confidently, y'all, that God is faithful. I can rest on that truth. I can say confidently that God moves even when we're struggling to believe that He will. It may not be how we expect or how we want, but God is going to work all things for His glory and for our good for those who believe in Him. Even if it doesn't make sense, even as we struggle to believe, God is faithful. And as I studied Sarah's story, I was struck by how throughout it she was seeking to follow. She was, she was following this, Abraham and the Lord at times. But it just it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. And we see this in our passage. But I want to I jump back a few chapters and look at something even more to kind of build on this thought some more. And so if we jump back to Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham, uh, God promised Abraham an heir, a son to receive uh, his blessing. And so what we're going to see though, is as we jump to Genesis 16, is it seeing things go a little sideways for Abraham and Sarah. They decide uh, to bring another woman, Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian servant, to bring about an heir for Abraham. And so Abraham's been given a promise from God, but it's not being bef- fulfilled in their timetable. And so they're like, we're going to figure this out. We can, we can maybe do this ourselves here. And so this is going to lead us to our second point in seeing uh, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Number two, God is faithful despite our disobedience. God is faithful despite our disobedience because time was running out for Sarah. If it hadn't already, she was 75. Things weren't looking promising for her to bring about an heir for Abraham. So through cultural traditions, if somebody whom she gave to Abraham had a son, it would kinda be like Abraham and her son kinda. And so what Abraham, Abraham and Sarah sought to do we see in Genesis 16 in their part of the story was bring about the promise of God, but do it outside of God's plan. And I don't feel like this is a foreign concept if we begin to take things into our own control. We, we want a relationship so we settle for the person who isn't growing in their faith or maybe isn't a believer at all. We want the blessing of money and so we pursue a career that doesn't honor the Lord or, or you know it, we put our work or success above all else in our lives. I love that God promises his acceptance if we just come and abide in him, but instead we go and we seek it through other means like social media. In all these things and others though, we begin to see the effects of unbelief and doubt because it morphs not into just unbelief, but it morphs into disobedience. They took God's um, plan and they took God out of the equation and sought to bring about something in their own way. But y'all, I wanna just let you know this, that God is faithful despite their and our disobedience, praise God. We're gonna see that this takes place but God's going to be faithful to bring about his promises y'all. He is rich in mercy and grace. He is a God whose plan is not thwarted by us. But I want, I want to pause here again and just say, Hey, that this doesn't mean that our sin doesn't matter. Sarah and Abraham's disobedience had consequences. Like right out the jump in Genesis 16, there was disunity between Abraham and Sarah. Like, it, it was not pretty. At one point, Abraham throws his hands up and says, Sarah, do what you want. And so what that lent Sarah to do uh, was to send a, pre- a pregnant Hagar just out into the wilderness. Spend for yourself. Y'all, Yo, that's not good. And so what we see here is that over the next 13 years, after Hagar had Ishmael, I just, and the promises that God, that Sarah would bear a child hadn't come to fruition yet, there had to be a ton of tension in that house. No, sin had its consequences and its effects. But I want to remind us that God is faithful and His plans are not going to be thwarted by us. But let us not, let us not be cavalier with our sin. Because our sin is ultimately going to separate us from the love of God. But God's going to be faithful to provide a way back to Him still. Because when we disobey... We seek to run our lives and not submit to God. We see ourselves going every which way but the right one and we're left searching and we're left warning. and I see this in Sarah. She's searching and she's wanting and she's trying to come up with something without submitting to the Lord and his plan. How often do we find ourselves here? We strive for the blessings of God but disobey the commands of God. We seek out the things of God but dismiss God himself. There's moments, and I can think of them in my own life, where we think we know what's good and right, and I'm thinking I'm in control and I know what's best. And these are the moments where I usually just step into disobedience because I think I know what's best. I'm trying to bring about something without submitting it to the Lord. Y'all, I, I want to just remind you this morning that God is all-knowing and isn't surprised by our disobedience or theirs because we're gonna see in Isaiah 55 that God declares about himself, "'My thoughts are not your thoughts, "'neither are your ways my ways. "'As the heavens are higher than the earth, "'so are my ways higher than your ways, "'and my thoughts than your thoughts.'" That's who God is. God is faithful despite our disobedience. Sarah and Abraham may have took matters into their own hand, but God's plan will not be thwarted. His ways are higher than our ways. And I just wanna go ahead and let you know that God is a faithful God because 13 years later, he would come again. Reaffirm in Genesis 17 where he says, my covenant is with you, Abraham. You shall be the father of a multitude of nations. He's gonna say to Sarah, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. She shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Y'all, they weren't perfect, but God still had plans for them. Man, take comfort in that. They messed up. Y'all, I mess up regularly, but I believe that God is faithful and he has plans for us here today. And so we're able to come to God and be used by God even though we're not perfect, even though we mess up. And he still, y'all, this blows my mind. He still chooses to use us to bring about his plan of redemption. As I look back over my life and go, man, you saved me. I have no idea what you were doing, Lord. And at times I don't. But God, you saved me. I don't know what it is, but I trust you, Lord. Because I know he doesn't use perfect people because he uses me and there's no one perfect outside of Christ for his plan for kingdom advancement. Y'all, we look throughout the Bible. It's filled with people who aren't perfect. We look at Sarah and Abraham's. We look at the others in the genealogy of Jesus and we say, well, they're not perfect. Maybe the disciples, Peter, Paul, none of them have perfect histories or stories. And so what we know, Scripture tells us, is because we're not perfect, our sin uh, disqualifies us from a relationship with God. But as I mentioned, God has a way to fix that. Y'all, he sent his son Jesus to come and live the perfect life, the life that we were meant to live, and he died the death that we deserve. See, Jesus came and followed every command, every word from God. He was obedient to the point of death on a cross. He died a criminal's death, though he committed no crime. He was without sin, a spotless lamb, sacrificed, slain for us. All so that Jesus, he came and made a way for us to be in a relationship with God if we simply believed. And so we say, Lord, I believe, for when we do, we are clothed in his righteousness. And so we don't continue in sin then. Once we've said we believe and we trust in the Lord, we seek to live a life pure, holy, worthy of being called children of God, knowing that we can't be fully holy, we can't be perfect yet, but a time is coming, y'all, when Jesus will return because he said he would and I believe he's faithful and we will be made new and sin will no longer reign. But Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords will reign and we'll be able to live with him forevermore without sin. Y'all, I believe that nothing is too hard for God because he takes sinners like you and me through his son Jesus. He rescues us. He redeems us. And he changes our identity from a lost sinner, man, to a child of God. Thank you. And I see that in my life and I go, if he saved me, he can do anything. And I just believe God is faithful. And that's going to be our third and final point for today. That God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Because we have already seen Sarah's unbelief and disobedience that God was faithful. But I want, to, I want to hone in on that by looking at Genesis 21 where we see... Uh, God be faithful. In Genesis 21, uh, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Yeah, I don't know if you picked up on this, but God does exactly what he said he was going to do. God was faithful in keeping his word to Sarah and Abraham. Despite unbelief, despite disobedience, that doesn't change who God is. God is faithful. I love that we see in Hebrews 11, 11 that Sarah received the ability to conceive from the Lord. Now that's, that's God. He's making this possible. He's making the way. And this is what I want us to find hope in this morning. That God is a faithful God and there's nothing too hard or impossible for God. You all what we just looked at in Scripture today is that God gave a child to a 90-year-old woman with a 99-year-old husband. And that that can seem far-fetched. I get that. But it gets even crazier if you keep reading your Bible that that child that Sarah were born would be the first of many in a line of descendants that would lead to King David. And then there would be many more descendants that lead to a man named Joseph, who happened to be engaged to a woman named Mary. And God's gonna to continue to show his faithfulness and giving of his only begotten son. And so God would conceive Jesus in her womb through the Holy Spirit. And so, believe it or not, the Son of God would be born of a virgin. Things are just getting crazy. It's not making sense. Just the whole story, how God is coming about this seems scandalous. But y'all, His faithfulness doesn't just stop there. Because now God's here on earth in the flesh. Jesus, the Son of God. And he's gonna to continue to be faithful. He's gonna perform miracles. He's gonna bring about uh, all these different prophecies and they're gonna come true and he's gonna be about his father's work. And it's ultimately gonna lead him to the cross where he would die, taking on the wrath and punishment for the sins of the world, even though he committed no sins. You no, it just seems, it, it just seems scandalous. Like why in the world? What are you doing? But that's because God loves us. He brought about a rescue plan for his people, which started before the very beginning. It's it's mind blowing to me as we we think about that. That God was faithful, not just from this point in Syria's life, but he's been faithful from the beginning, like before time, y'all. There was a plan in place and God said, I will bring this about because I love my people. And so we celebrate, we celebrate this rescue plan. We celebrate God's faithfulness with Sarah because now we see that she is the mother of nations, that the king of kings of all people came from her. Y'all, how wonderful is our God? He's able to take anyone, anyone. Y'all, this girl laughed at the Lord, like in his face, kind of behind the tent kind of thing. She laughed. And in that moment, she was struggling to believe, but God proved himself time and time again, faithful. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, coming off of Thanksgiving, but I want you to hear that God is faithful this morning. Psalm 100 verse five tells us this, that the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Do you believe this? My prayer is that you do. Because I just believe in, because God's word said it, it's true that, that one day, because God's promised it, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord Y'all, it tells us in God's word that he's coming back to reign forevermore, that all the sad things will become untrue. It tells us that he's made a way for you and me to be in relationship with him. And so this cradle that we celebrate at Christmas, as scandalous at times as the genealogy may seem, it all happened so that the cross would happen. So that God would come to walk among this earth, but not just for a little while, but so that he would reign forevermore through the work of Jesus Christ. And so seeing this and seeing our story today, I believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord. No situation, no person, no history, none of that. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And so he just tells us, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. As you're carrying what seems like this impossible thing, he says, come and I will give you rest. And so that's what I pray you find. I pray that you find rest in the Lord and that you just remember that he is faithful. Let's pray together. God, I, I believe that you are faithful. I believe that you are good I believe that your love endures forever and that your faithfulness will continue through all generations. God, I thank you for just the reminder this morning that, God, you move and that nothing is too hard for you. And so in that, Lord, I pray that we would continue to remember that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you love us, Lord. And so in that, Lord, let us uh, put all things before you and find rest in you. I see your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.